a couple years down the road, um, things are going pretty good. You're um, getting ready to record an album. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, like, people are, have, like, really suggested, like, hey, Pat, you should, like, put out a record. You know what I mean? Um, wow. So you're... But you're wait, who's suggesting it? Like, just people like, I know? Or yeah, like yeah. Companies? Like, like, your friends. Like, how come you've never done it? You know? Uh, so you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. So you're gonna, rec- you have a plan in the works to, uh, you know, record a, a record. What's, what's it called? It's called... Pat Dean, the boy with big dreams. <laughs> that fucking rules. Yeah. That is so bad. The cover is just like your head, and the the background is just like blue with like little sparkles on it. <laughs> and the blue of the background matches the blue in your fucking eyes. Okay. All right, where am I going to... That's pretty cool, I guess. Well, the cover sounds bad, but there is... What, where am I recording it? At the Valve. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you Who else is going to be on the lineup? Um, It's going to be... Mac Blake. Uh, Avery Moore. Christina Parrish. You. It's a hell of a show. Yeah. You're going to do it over... Um, Two different shows on two different nights. So you got a whole plan in place, right? Things are going well. <clears throat> the Valve is like routinely selling out. You know, you're getting booked like on off nights. People are coming through and in lieu of like having to sell out the North Door or something, they'll come to you on like a Tuesday night, you know? Sure. And uh, you're like, yeah, hell yeah. So you're you're doing like stuff like that, and things things are it's like really thriving. Things are like are like pretty fucking good right now, you know. Okay. Uh, everything else. Does is, the album? What's up? Does the album come out okay? Or I mean, you haven't recorded it yet. Oh, okay. But there's been like a little bit of buzz about it. Like, um, Vulture magazine does an interview with you about like what's going through your head when you're thinking about it and sort of like the anatomy of making a comedy album kind of a thing and um it's an interesting look at it it's you know probably like a little pretentious but i guess you know fuck it you know what i mean okay you're making your own thing that gets uh written and they're like yeah we'll uh will uh rule or at least like the week before it, it comes out you know and then they're they're gonna do like a follow-up with you and they were it was they were gonna spend like six months sort of like tracking the Whoa. pre-production to the post-production of this comedy album it was okay. like it was gonna be like a, a pretty big deal like for you and it was gonna get like a lot of exposure like for you it was yeah so uh, it was just like they had a whole like running thing, like six months. There was going to be a patenting piece every month. Wow. So you guys had this whole thing planned out. Like everything's looking up. You wake up one morning. It's Friday. 
probably like 10.30. Roll out of bed. Go into the kitchen. And you've been uh, been cooking a lot more lately. And you you make yourself an omelet. Really? Yep. When did I? Where did I learn how to make an omelet? I have no. I don't know how to do that. A couple of years from now, you know. You looked it up on on the internet, and it's surprisingly incredibly easy to do. <laughs> this whole time. This whole time. Could have been doing it. You this could have been whole doing time. it, and when you learned it, you you watch the video for the first time, and you go, "Huh? <laughs> Fuck." <laughs> And you kind of just like, like the sink was running and you were just kind of like staring off into space, the sink just running for no reason at all. A good 30 seconds, you're just staring off into the space, thinking about all those fucking omelets you've missed. (laughs) And you go, well, there's a lot of omelets I'll never get back, but I vow not to lose another from this day forth. I make a conscious vow to eat an omelet a day. Wow, that's what you have. That's what you have for breakfast. Well, it can be, you know. What do you? Depending. I mean, you probably shouldn't have eggs every day. I guess I I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Clearly, I don't know either. But like, uh, you you a lot of times you'll do it with like just vegetables. Like you saute some uh, peppers, onions, and mushrooms together. A little spinach at the end. Put that inside. Some days you do some bacon. Some days you do, uh, you take little cherry tomatoes, you cut them in half and saute those. You switch it up a lot. Sometimes you get cheese, sometimes you don't have cheese. This particular morning, this Friday morning, you roll out of bed. You see the first article dropped from Vulture. Talking about you. All these, uh, your your mentions are flooded with people, you know, tagging you and stuff and learning about you. Gain some followers. People retweet some stuff. It's a big, it's like a big, uh, it's a big, like, feel-good day, you know? Sure. Hell yeah. So you roll out of bed. You walk into the kitchen and you make yourself an omelet. Some breakfast sausage. You saute that, cook that up, brown it. Onion, mushroom, bell peppers. Yeah. Shredded cheddar cheese. Whoa. It's a hell of a breakfast. You got a little wheat toast on the side. Nice. With butter that you bought on the side of the road. <laughs> Wait, what? Where do people sell butter on the side of the road? You were coming back is from... There, is there an Amish community nearby? Yeah, you were coming or... back from a show in San Antonio, and there was a, a horse and buggy on the side of the interstate. And they, said what? A, they just had a table set up, like a, like a really ornate, nice wooden table. Uh, on the side of the interstate. On the side of the interstate. And uh, they just had a sign that said butter. <laughs> and I, I pulled over to get <clears throat> butter. Yeah. 
Because you think about the omelets and you're like, you know what? Sometimes the butter just, yeah, you know, when it's too hot, it burns quickly. Uh, you know, you, you're like, you weren't just satisfied with what you've been getting in stores. Okay. So you try this butter and it has changed everything. It gives the perfect, like, crispness to the edges of your omelet. You fold it over. You say a little prayer for 30 seconds to go by. <laughs> so that way you Wait. that way you lets the cheese melt on the inside. Who who am I who am I praying to? Uh <laughs> uh Saint <laughs> Ch- Cheddar. Saint Cheddar. <laughs> he was a saint that was discovered in recent years. <laughs> a new saint. Saint Cheddar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is terrible. Saint Cheddar was the uh he was a he be, he was a, a saint who uh like all documentation of him was just like stricken from everything. <laughs> he got in a fight with a pope one time. Called him a yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Pushed him over, stormed out. Why? For what? I don't know. I don't know. People disagree. Oh, people disagree. They called him a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So you say a little prayer to Saint Cheddar, and uh, thirty seconds usually goes by. That's how long it takes, and you know that like that cheese inside is melted. You sit down, the wheat toast, that butter you bought on the side of the road, spread on it. You stand there in the kitchen. You don't even make it out. You stand there in the kitchen with a plate on the counter, just sort of staring off with a smile on your face, thinking about how good life can be. You go to the Velvet that night. Great night. Packed house. Who's performing? Uh, Justin Hicks is headlining. Oh, cool. He does great. How does he do? He crushes. Nice. Packed house. Both shows. A lot of people, you know, in and out of there. A lot of money at the bar. Big tip night for Pat. Cool. Big tip night for everybody. What does uh, Michael Park think? He uh, he goes, oh, hell of a show tonight, huh? <laughs> And you're like, yeah, man, Justin's really funny. He goes, yeah, he sure is. And he goes, big tippers, too. Yeah. And as he, like, raises his eyebrows and they get his eyes, like, get real big, you know, he licks his lips, laughs at you, and just walks back outside. <laughs> as the door closes, you hear, Velveeta Zane. How could he possibly know what the tips were? People have been talking about it all night. (laughs) Who? (laughs) The patrons? Yeah, man. Are talking about how good of a tip they left us? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because he doesn't really see that stuff. So that's I mean, he hears it and it gets out and the comedians hear it and then it gets outside. People, People are telling Michael, like, hey, man, this crowd apparently is having like a tipping war. Yeah, and Michael, uh, Marcus Wilson tells him that, 
and uh, and Michael, he like looks up at the moon. He goes, "I've only seen three tipping wars in thirty plus years of the Velveeta Room." <laughs> Takes a long, slow drag off the cigarette. <laughs> Smoke settles in his lungs. He blows it out through his nose, and he says, "Tonight's gonna be a good night." Oh my gosh. All right, that that is really weird. So, so you guys get a big, you guys get tipped out pretty big. That's good. Everybody I mean, gets he, taken care of. Yeah, he gets a percentage of that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, sure. Well, he doesn't get a hundred percent. No, no, I meant like, yeah, he absolutely does. He's that was, just being, that was just being silly. One hundred percent would be only fair. I was just being a silly goose. So you like, you leave right? You go home. You're out of the parking lot, like. In like a minute, you know what I mean? How much did I make that night? Uh, $260. Nice. Yeah. That's how much you took home. So you, um, you go home, right? It's a quick trip back to your house. You walk inside, crack open a beer. It's the best beer you've ever had you know what i mean it's like after just like a great day sure yeah the first beer after work is done man that is the uh yeah you kind of stand there with your door open just like looking out of the night sky drinking this fucking beer and everything's right in the world and you're looking forward to what the future holds you wake up the next day. And the next day is the first day of the decline. What? Uh, over the next six months, society is plunged into complete chaos over the GIF wars. Oh, no. The what? The GIF wars. Uh, President Trump, uh, like, somebody asked him one time, they're like, hey, do you say it GIF or GIF? And he's like, uh, what? And uh, they, they asked him the question again. And he goes... No, he goes, I say yif with a, like a Y. He goes, with yif. And then like all like the Trump people online are like, it's yif now, motherfuckers, you know? And they just <laughs> immediately the like latch onto that. And then other people are like, haha, really? Like we all know it's jif. And then other people are like, okay, it's fucking gif, right? And uh, people take sides and like families are broken you know what I mean? Really? It turns out to be like the final thing, the straw that breaks the camel's back, that turns us against each other. And wow. humanity like just sort of consumes itself. You're uh you're at your apartment most days, like the city had been shut down for about six days now. Uh things like weren't looking very good. There were like uh like roving gangs of people just out looking for people to kill. Uh, it was pretty Jesus. pretty bad. And um, you remember, like, you're there far too long. You hadn't really heard anybody in a long time. You were too scared to, like, go outside. Uh, yeah, it sounds horrible. You were just sitting in your room just openly weeping. And uh, somebody just Jeez. broke in your door, right? They just kicked your door in, and you just lay there. You didn't even do anything. You were just ready. You know what I mean? Uh, you got your eyes closed. You're just in bed. What? Crying. You're just ready. To, you're just ready to die. And then uh, these guys come in, and you feel a syringe in your neck, and you just pass out. 
you wake up, you come to, and you are freezing cold. You've never been so cold in your entire life. Oh wow! Right, it's like it's like you just got out of the out of the bathtub into the Arctic. Like you feel like you are covered in a layer of ice, an inch thick. But at the same time, like you're like it's so cold that like your body kind of burns. You know what I mean? Like freezer burn. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you you can't really understand anything. Like you're, you're you're very foggy. Nothing really makes sense. You don't even know where you are, right. yeah, yeah. what you're doing. <clears throat> you kind of wake up. You look around. You're in like a stainless steel room. You look over. You see like a like a doctor in a mask, and you just black out again. What the fuck? A little while later, <clears throat> you sort of come to. You've got like a really bad headache. You you feel like um, you still feel cold, but not nearly as cold as before. You open your eyes and blink, and you can start to sort of make the shape of things for the first time. You look around, you're in like a, a sparsely decorated room. There's like a dresser. Um, there's like a television sitting on top of it. There's a little accent chair along the wall. There's a nightstand next to the bed that you're laying on. You're in pajamas. You start to, like, cough, you know? Yeah. Next thing you know, you see, like, a, a woman run in. She sees that you're awake, and she immediately turns around. Doctors rush in, and the doctor goes, Pat. Pat Dean? Is it you? Yeah. He goes, oh, my heavens. And uh, you see, like, the, the nurse, like, break down in tears behind him, just, like, openly crying in her hands. You know, she goes, there were so many that didn't make what? it. And he, he goes, Pat, um, I don't know how to tell you this. He goes, you were saved. You were on the brink of death. You were saved, and your body was frozen. It's 2220. God damn it. You're 200 years in the future. We, we had 350 people that we took from the year 2020. Seventeen of them so far haven't been able to make it out into reentry. You're the first one that we've had make it. It's been years in the making. How did the gift war end? He uh, he leans in close to you. He goes, um, "It's it's gif." Ah, son of a bitch. He says, "If you," he goes, "Just believe me on this. If you address it as anything other than that." You will be shot on sight. Okay, I yeah. Okay. Just just a heads up. Sure. They go. You just have to know that. Okay. So basically, you uh, you spend like six weeks, sort of, going through like physical therapy and like getting your brain sort of back up to like functioning a hundred percent. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um getting healthy, getting, like, on a steady diet of, like, actual nutrients and not whatever they were piping into you for the last two centuries. Jeez. So over that time, uh, they have somebody from uh, the company. They're like, yeah, this person's going to 
kind of get to know what you were like in your past life and see what we could do to like best assimilate you in, into the in, into the real world. How can how can we ease this transition? What can we do? And this uh, you sit down with this this woman. Uh, she goes, "Hi, my name's uh, Brenda Belmont." I'm going to I'm going to help you out here. So she kind of she sits down, she gets all of your like vital information, like where are you from? What's your name? What's your birth date? I feel like I would be asking them a lot of questions. You can. What is society like now? What is going on? And she she goes, "That's what we're here to do." She goes, "That's the other part of this. We're going to get you physically and mentally well." She goes, "And then we're going to kind of show you where the world's at and and we're going to figure out what's what's the best way to get you back into society." Man, this sucks so bad. So she asks you, like, you know, your name, date of birth, like all all the information, right? And uh, she asks what your occupation was. And you, you told her, um, you're like, yeah, I ran a comedy club. And she's like, what's that? She has no idea what a comedy club is. Um... So basically, it's a place where you go to see uh, people tell jokes. They do, yeah, you know, they do stand-up comedy. She kind of looks and she goes, "What are jokes? What's?" Co-? She goes, "I'm sorry, I don't under, I don't understand." Jokes are uh, is when you say something with like a humorous intent. She she laughs. She kind of like looks around. She uh like she kind of laughs. She goes, "She goes, I I don't know what you're what you mean by that." Basically, what it boils down to is. Humanity got to such a point that like survival uh, was like so critical that people stopped uh, performing anything. Like there's like Jeez. there's like a, like a lot of records are gone. There's not a lot of like physical like uh, like physical copies of things or like most stuff got like melted down in like the war efforts. Uh, you know they just didn't have. You know they they needed everything. Um, the digital servers of things were all like wiped clean. There, there's just like a lot of history was lost. So you kind of like explain to her what comedy is, and you're like here. So you, you kind of like said there you like tell her some jokes, right? So you're like you you tell her some jokes, you know, and she like gets she kind of like starts laughing at them and she what, looks, what what's can you tell me one of the jokes uh you tell her a joke about you tell her like uh like a knock knock joke you go yeah. uh knock knock who's there and you do the interrupt the interrupting cow one you know right okay you yeah, do, yeah, it's yeah. just like the most basic joke and she's like i know what a cow is and they don't talk and she just kind of like laughed and then she looked around and was just like what is this feeling? Like she like wasn't aware that it was like a like a feeling. Oh so society was just like very hard and different. So you like tell her what you used to do and you kind of explain to her like what like entertainment was like and what television was like and what movies were like and she's just fascinated. You wind up like telling other people about it and and suddenly you're like the sole source of what the new society like finds is like entertainment. So you're like telling jokes, you know, you're like telling easy jokes that you're like 
doing really simple stuff that just because these people don't, you know, it's gonna it, it needs to be like really easy humor, and uh, you slowly start to like change the way that people view society. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. For the first, like, people will come up to you after like shows, and because uh, you're like organizing everything yourself, it's like an underground thing, like a big sensation. And I'm the only one performing. The only one performing. And and you're like because nobody else is doing it. They've just been had to been feel so so focused on like staying alive. So you're bringing levity to people, and some people are like, "I've never felt this way before. Thank you." You know <laughs> what I mean? They're just like, "This is this is amazing," and you develop like this huge following, and uh, it's really like just sort of changes everything. People are always asking you for like new jokes after new jokes, and like you have this constant like pressure to keep doing new stuff all the time because there's just like this vast empty gaping mouth that wants to laugh you know what i mean sure so for like two years as society sort of reestablishes and climbs out of this hole you are like the main source of levity the main source of entertainment it's like the biggest star in the world is pat dean jeez you get like three years in and you're like i can't i can't do it I can't keep yeah. up with like the pace of this anymore. That is that would be so much pressure. That's crazy. I lasted three years. Like I feel like yeah. Wow. Sometimes what you do is uh, like you were frozen like with your cell phone. It still worked. You pull it out and you like listen to like Mitch Hedberg. You know what I mean? You have like you have like four or five comedy albums on your phone. It's like classic yeah. comedy albums you really like. Yeah. And one day, when you just came to realize, like, I can't do it anymore, you look down at your phone, you're listening to those albums, and you think, you know what? I could just tell these jokes and it would be okay. Who'd know? How would anybody ever find out? Oh, wow. Would you do it? I guess if I was that burned out, and it's it seems like... <clears throat> What I'm doing is like, I guess, therapeutical to some people. So while the idea of like stealing jokes is bad, th- I mean, I'm the only comedian in the world. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll do. Uh, yeah, I'll do Mitch Hedberg's. Uh, what was it? Uh, Strategic Grill Locations. Yeah. That album. So you get on, like, uh, you like put out details of like a, a new tour, you know. You're going to go all over the country. You're going to go into Europe. And you're advertising like a brand new hour from Pat Dean. Wait, so so the entire world was affected by this GIF war? Oh, dude, yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. It was a global conflict. Yeah, I mean, America could really get hurt the hardest, you know. But other places, like, yeah, people have the same conversations. Wow. So you're you're gonna be all over the place, right? You uh, you get on stage, in New York City. What's left of it? You do strategic grill locations. Crush City. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. You're on the road for like a year doing that album. What's the next one you would do? Uh, I would do a Brian Regan album. Yeah. Yeah. 
same thing. You're growing in popularity even more and more. You hunger for the, the, the adoration, the cash, the women, the <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. Is anyone else doing so I'm the only one doing comedy, no one else is like starting to You've you've like heard people like talk about like oh yeah, there's there's an open mic in New York somewhere and there's like a handful of people who are like trying to do it. That's cool. Yeah. And you're like seeing I would I would go, I would go to those mics and I would give them advice. I'm the only one who knows how to do it. You you like you like <laughs> see them like trying to figure it out. You're like witnessing the birth of an art form. Yeah. That you're like light years ahead of it. Am I so, helping them? I mean, you're a pretty busy guy. You're making like a lot of money. Uh-huh. And uh, you're doing Brian Regan's album. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once again, Crush City. After that year, you're going to do one more. What's the last album you'd do? Um, oh, I would do uh, Werewolves and Lollipops. Uh, the Patton Oswalt uh, album. So you go on, you go on tour doing Patton Oswalt's hour. Same thing. You're hailed as as a man who his humor knows no limits. Some of those references I'm just realizing probably aren't gonna no track. They all don't, and and you like you like figure out how to update some stuff. You know? Oh, okay, that's yeah. cool. So you do it right. You're once again widely regarded as like. One of the best of all time. Jeez, you're at your uh, you're you're living in New New York City, which is where they rebuilt. You live in the tenth floor of this beautiful home, like like this big apartment building. You've got a corner apartment. You walk down uh, down your street for the night. You get ready to say hello to your doorman, and like a, a young man, like kind of pops out in front of you, and he goes, "Oh, you're Pat Dean, right?" And you go, yes. "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Oh, here, I wanted to show you this." And he he pulls out like his phone, and he has copies of those old comedy albums on there. He's like, "My family's from that time too." He, he oh, goes, I fucking forgot about that. He's like, guys. he's like, why are you, why are you lying to everybody? Well, man, to be honest, I didn't think anyone would catch me, and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make people feel good. I'm the only person who's doing stand up right now, basically, at least professionally. So he like, uh, he tells, uh, like, who cares? He like puts this thing out online. You know, he like uh, starts telling people about how you're stealing other people's material. And how that's like a like a cardinal sin in comedy. And uh, but if they have no, huh? if they have no concept of comedy, if, if they, they, why would they even give a shit? Because like when you went when you went and talked to those guys at the at that open mic, you're like, hey, you don't steal other people's material. Oh fuck! Oh, you don't so do I'm just it. a huge phony. Yeah, you're just a huge fucking <laughs> phony. Uh, people find what? out, and those those new comedians all show up, and you do uh, Pat Oswalt's hour, and uh, they all beat you to death in the parking lot. They go, you fucking phony. One of them backs over your head with a truck, <laughs> like back tire. It's fucking gross. <laughs> they beat me to death in the name of comedic integrity. Yeah, because it was such an important thing. Because, I mean, their lives were meaningless otherwise. The GIF Wars ruined everything. Sorry, the GIF Wars. Man. What a clusterfuck of a life. Yeah, you fucking fraud. I didn't know. Well, whatever. 
I thought I was trying to I wasn't trying to be an artist. I was trying to be therapeutic. Yeah. And frankly, make some cash. <laughs> yeah, you made a ton of cash. You Meet some died. babes. Yeah, and I died. Asshole. Whatever. <laughs> Asshole.